Hey guys, it's Meg, and you're listening to a Paranormal Chicks podcast with Donna and Carrie. Enjoy! Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 55. And you just heard Meg Lever, and she was awesome introducing us, trying to steal our jobs. I mean, she does a better job than we do. I mean, I like her voice. Mm-hmm. I think that was sexual harassment. I'm very sorry. <laughs> Don't sue us. <laughs> if you also want to steal our jobs, go on over to patreon.com forward slash the APC podcast. The first one is called A Murder in a Small Town and How I Learned About It. Dear Donna and Carrie, Hello, ladies. I was walking around campus listening to your most recent episode when I got a message from a friend to go to an event at Wesley Hall on my campus here at Stetson University. It's 55 degrees here, and while at the event, I met someone named Freddie who created a podcast about a small town murder in North Carolina. He's from this small town and knows the daughter of the victim. I'll give you a brief summary of what he told me and give you his email, website link, and name of the podcast he created, which shares a lot of his research on the case, like off-the-record comments from police, interviews, and even the autopsy. Picture it. Morrisville, North Carolina, 2009. A wife, husband, and baby are asleep in bed 44 minutes after midnight. A three-year-old daughter was sleeping down the hall in a two-story home. The wife wakes up to see a tall man in the hallway right before he pulls out a gun. Want to know more? I did too, and I had to share this story with you. Frankie has been threatened by the grandmother, the mother of the wife who survived, when he began to research the case. The grandmother said, quote, the killer is very much alive. Watch yourself. If that isn't spooky, I don't know what is. Sometimes I think ghosts and demons are the worst things in the world, but then I see families torn apart by grief and questions that will never get answered, and then I don't feel so scared of ghosts anymore. People hurt people way more than any spirit could. Please research this story. Spread the word about this unsolved case. Frankie is willing to give you all his research to better understand what he has learned. Some things don't make sense. The podcast is called Unforgotten, the unsolved story of Matt Stewart. Anyway, stay strong, funny, and don't get scared. Sincerely, Alyssa Shannon King. Uh, Carrie, jump on that because that sounds super sad, super crazy. Like I'm going to have a murder board. I'm going to like have my hair and go whoosh with it. Uh, Sounds like I'm not trying to get killed. (laughs) You heard her say, watch your back. Granny got a gun. Also, for y'all who are quarantined and are looking for a new podcast, apparently there's a there's one. It's on Spotify. Yeah, we haven't listened, so unsure what we're sending you to, but sounds like it's worth a listen. Alyssa. Alyssa said listen. <laughs> All right. Hey, y'all. So let me start off by saying I started binging your podcast in October of 2019 and caught up in December. Yes, I have an addiction, LOL. But I'm so happy I found the podcast because you make my work days better and go by faster. I knew I had to break out my old ass laptop to send in a sinister sighting because other people's stories triggered memories that I had suppressed deep, deep down. And also I grew up my whole life being quote unquote sensitive to ghosts and my whole life has had them involved. Let's start off with the classic bathroom ghost. 
Yes, this is one of those memories I forgot about until you guys were like, what the fuck is up with all of the ghosts in the bathrooms? Well, I got another one for you. So I think this happened in 2014, maybe early 2015, and my parents were starting a new business, which involved this man, insert name here, and he was renting out a warehouse where they would work. Well, he was an old man that you could barely understand what he was saying because he was so Southern and didn't even finish words. I'm sure y'all know what I'm talking about. Actually, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I always look to Carrie and say, what? (laughs) Every time. I mean, not to weird flex, but I can watch Swamp People without the subtitles. Anyways, he told us that there was this woman spirit here that doesn't really like men and will mess with any guy that comes in here. My mom and brother are really in tune to ghosts like I am, and my dad being the one where he calls us crazy. Ooh, that ghost's about to show him what's up. My mom has some crazy and terrifying stories herself. I'll ask her if I can write them in for everyone, because one involves a Ouija board and the devil that came from it. Holy shit. Anywho, we just rolled our eyes because we thought he was trying to spook us, play a prank or something. Well, one day I was working inside, Basically, there was this outside warehouse part, then a hole inside with a kitchen, two bathrooms next to each other across from the kitchen, then a hallway with three rooms, and then the living room part, I guess you would call it, just the open leftover part. I'm sorry, I suck at laying things out as visuals. I suck at laying out things too, but I know I can picture exactly what you're saying. Yeah, I got it. My brother came in from outside saying he had to take a shit. We had more of a friendship than a sibling relationship and said he was going to use the women's bathroom. There was men's and women's, but it didn't matter. You could use whichever or so he thought. I jokingly said, you better not or she's going to get mad and get you. Oh, shit. Literally. (laughs) So I went back to doing my work with my headphones in listening to music when I heard a noise. Maybe thunder outside or something. I really couldn't tell with the headphones in. So it didn't phase me. Seconds later, I get a FaceTime call from my brother while he's in the bathroom. So my first thought was, ew, but maybe there's no toilet paper. So I pick up and I'm like, yeah, let me lay out the convo in text style. Brother, what the fuck? Are you shaking the door? What the fuck are you doing? Me. The fuck are you talking about? I'm right here. I showed him behind me to prove I wasn't doing anything. Brother. Dude, what the fuck? She's fucking pissed and shaking the door. So I took the headphones off and I heard it. The door going nuts. So I walk over there and yep, the door is shaking so violent that it looks like it's trying to be ripped off. I am speechless and I just flip my camera over showing it happening. Then I kind of laugh and say, you're on your own, bro. Told you not to use the ladies' room. So yeah, that shook both of us up. The door stopped shaking after about 20 seconds of me standing there. But mind you, I did not see the woman or anything. But I definitely felt her. And it was cold as hell in that little section. Guess that shows him for trying to piss a ghost lady off. Step the fuck out of my bathroom. After that, there were a few more experiences there. Nothing major. I'd say that was the most intense thing she did. That was my sinister sighting for today. I will have more to tell considering I've had a demon encounter at five years old. And from then on, every house I've lived in was followed not by the demon, but by other ghosts, I guess. Sorry for the length of the story, repetitions of the same words, and any other errors I'm sure this will have. Signing out, Leia. Thank you so much for reading. 
if you ever do, and having such an awesome podcast and sharing yourselves with us like an internet friend. Much love. Leia, I don't know what our stories are to come, but um, whew, I need to get prepared for them. She's got demons and devils aplenty. Want a Ouija board? I've got 20. (laughs) (laughs) Weird Al, we are not. Okay, this next one is called Medical Dispatcher Murders. Hey guys, before I start, I'd just like to say that I'd like to remain anonymous due to the nature of my work. Thank you. I've recently discovered your podcast, and I love you guys. You remind me of me and my friends, and it's honestly lovely to hear. I listen to you guys when I'm dying on a night shift and on my way home from work. I love it. Anyway, so I'm a medical dispatcher from the UK, and I work for a crazy busy ambulance service. And during a shift, I got a call that literally made me question every part of humanity and the good in people. This woman called up and said she was walking past her neighbor's house and the front door was open and she could hear a baby crying inside the property. So I asked her if she knew what happened and straight away she was like, I'm going to go in the house. Rule number one of dispatch is if the scene doesn't seem to make sense or isn't clear is to not send more people into the scene. So I'm there like, no, wait, wait, stay outside. Tell me what you see from outside. I'm notifying the police. She walks into the property and she says there's a woman on the floor in the front room and she isn't moving. When I asked if she was breathing, she said no, but it looked like she had been there for a while because she was blue-gray in color and she felt stone cold. I asked her about the crying that she heard and she said she could still hear it and she was going upstairs. Woman, no, 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 stay where you are. Dead woman on the floor in the house? Let's investigate. Why not? It could be fun. She was mad, though, because if I was brave enough to walk into something like that and found a dead person, I would skirt right out of there. Anyway, she got upstairs and says there are two young children. The oldest is about three, and they are crying, crying, crying. I'm still asking her what happened. Does she have any idea? Can she see anything around her? Are there any other adults in the house? What she said next actually blew my mind. Oh, my gosh. The caller stated that she lived opposite the property, and late night she heard a massive argument going on and a man shouting and things being smashed, but she didn't think to call anyone. The next-door neighbors didn't call anyone either. No one did anything. And it had to be a pretty serious disagreement to be heard from across the road. So more than one person has heard this altercation. Oh my gosh, synchronicity because you just covered Kitty. Yeah. So basically, the guy, possibly a partner, killed this woman and walked out and left her dead on the floor and people heard and no one did anything, which broke my heart because the kids probably saw or heard some of what happened. I have so many fucked up things like this happen. I had a guy who called and said he'd stabbed his wife eight times because, and I quote, she was getting on his nerves. Fantastic. More stories for another time, though. I love you guys. Keep up the good work. And I'm going to binge listen everything before I go to sleep after a night shift that lasted a million hours. It was only 12, but hey, it dragged. Love. And then, of course, it's anonymous. Whoa. Well, first, I thought it was going to be fake crying. Like, uh-huh. I did, too, for a second. Uh-huh. Like, it was going to be lured, in, like, to lure them into the house. And then, when it's not fake crying... For those babies to be crying that hard, how long had they been there? 
Oh, like how long had they been there? Were they starving? Were their diapers wet? Were they thirsty? Were they, you know what I mean? Like could have been, I don't know, for her to be that cold, no telling how long those babies had been there. Mm. Oh my God, that breaks my heart. Wow. Thank you for sharing that though, because. That's heartbreaking. And we would love to hear all of your stories. Yes, absolutely. Keep sending them in. They're heartbreaking, but fascinating too. Yes. And thank you for what you do. I do not know how you do it, but thank you. I know because y'all are like the front, front lines. Mm -hmm. Y'all are the ones that have to answer the calls and hear all the fucking panic and calm them down so that people can get there to give them the physical help they need. Right. All right. I just want to start off saying I love you guys. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Okay. So I've been interested in the paranormal since I was younger because I saw spirits as a kid. That's a story for another time. But I told my boyfriend about it. He was jealous that I saw spirits as a kid. Well, I had just finished listening to your shadow people episode when I texted him and told him that he could have seen a shadow person. They are a lot more common. I told him all about them, what you said in the podcast. He was so excited because he had seen many in his dreams when he would experience sleep paralysis. He told me one time that he couldn't wake up. He was dreaming and there was a super tall, blacker than black figure that was extremely lanky standing over him. There were more of them, but this one stood out to him. The shadow person said to him, don't wake up, you'll ruin it. What? Every time my boyfriend would look at him, it would then say, don't wake up, you'll ruin it. He just kept telling my boyfriend not to wake up. It's like he knew my boyfriend was about to wake up. So the figure started screaming. He was repeating the same thing. Then my boyfriend woke up. But in sleep paralysis, he couldn't move. The figure was standing in his doorway. It just stared at him and said, I told you not to wake up. Well, don't talk to him. You're waking him up. Well, stop talking to me. (laughs) It didn't leave until he could move again. This frightened me and I got sick to my stomach from the idea. What would have happened if my boyfriend had stayed asleep longer? What would he have ruined? What were they doing? I didn't like the idea. No, and don't fucking yell at me if you want me to stay asleep. Because you yell at me and I'm going to fucking wake up. Mm-hmm. And um, to any shadow people listening, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> there was also a time when I was in the hospital and I was surrounded by shadow people. I was alone in my room in the middle of the night. I was in the state where you're not quite asleep, but you're also not awake either. There was a shadow person standing right next to my head. He had red eyes. It looked like he was reading a book, but I couldn't make out a word he was saying from it. The other shadow people were just black and crawling the ceiling and the floor. One of them in the corner just stared at me and said, Join us, Faith. Join us. You'd make a great addition. What the fuck? I just said, oh, hell to the no. And then I prayed. I needed them gone. It was such a bad energy and I could feel it. I cried so hard that night and I definitely didn't get any sleep. What did they want me to join and how would I have joined it? 
All right, last story. I was in Florida for a vacation. I had nightmares each night and I thought that that was normal because I suffer from trauma and I didn't have my dogs with me. It dawned on me that I was staying in the oldest city in America, so it could be a ghost. It didn't look or act like a ghost, though. It would just stand in the corner and stare at me with its red eyes every single night. On the last night, I was fed up and terrified. Why the fuck was a red-eyed shadow watching me? So I got up to sleep with my mom. She told me to go to the couch and make beds for us. I did so. The kitchen was in sight from the living room. While doing this, one of the cabinets swung open. A cup fell on the floor. I was like, well, shit the bed. It fucking followed me. Hell to the fucking no. (laughs) I kept making the beds about to cry when a cup on the coffee table behind me poured on my blanket. I was pissed because now I have to sleep with a wet blanket. My mom comes and sleeps with me on the couch. She instantly falls asleep. I cried. I was terrified, but I was praying my little heart out. I just said, as a child of the Holy Father and in the name of Jesus Christ, I condemn you away. It took a while for me to feel safe again. Once I did, I passed out. The next morning, my aunt told me that my uncle had a nightmare, and it was around the same time that I passed out. She said that he hadn't had a nightmare since they had been dating, which was a long fucking time. All right, so why I sent this to you guys is because I wanted to know your theories on what the shadow people are. I thought they were spirits at first, but then after my boyfriend's story and my hearing the gibberish, I was starting to think that they were aliens. My boyfriend thinks that they could be fallen angels. We honestly have no idea and needed some more ideas or theories on what they could be. Sorry for the long-ass email. I love y'all. Faith and DJ. Fuck, I don't know. I'm not even going to pretend to know. I have no fucking idea, but it sounds like I don't want to know. Right? Oh, my gosh. Ever since I did that, and that was like... Like episode four, five? It was early. Yeah, it was super early. Oh, like I think about them, and I'm just like, please don't ever let me experience that. Mm -mm. I don't know. So some of them, I think, are kind of aliens, like the men in black part of it i know carrie i know you hate the men in black but mega they, eye roll but they exist how do you know they didn't bloop bloop you they can bloop, bloop me anytime but you know what i mean not with their probe <laughs> say it again okay. Ooh, <laughs> moving right the fuck along before donna slides right out of her chair <laughs> <laughs> now that's a sinister society <laughs> Oh, God. <sighs> I don't know, but I definitely know that there are a lot of listeners that probably have ideas. So, yeah, and a lot of them have seen shadow people. Faith, if you're in the Facebook group, create a thread because I know that a bunch of people will probably tell you what they think because that's beyond my pay grade. <laughs> Same. You know, but I feel like a lot of them, their shadow figures haven't talked to them. So, what if they're like evolving? Why would you even say that? Well, now I'm thinking it, and now I'm going to go down Reddit rabbit hole tonight. Thanks, Faith and DJ. (laughs) Okay, this one is true crime and paranormal, you say? Hey, y'all, I've been a fan for a little while now, heard about you on another murder podcast, and couldn't stop listening to your awesome accents and wonderful stories and friendship dynamic. So my family and I recently moved out to a farmhouse that was built in 1914. 
One day when we were working in the attic, which is pretty bare with exposed joists and insulation, my dad and I found a bag of bloody clothes that looked like they were from the 70s. We had the detective who lives down the street come check it out. I want a detective that lives down the street. Right. To just call him up, BFF, dee-doop-boop-boop-boop. Hey, detective. Mm-hmm. What you doing right on there? How you mama them? I want one. We never heard back, so we assumed there was no leads on it, which is good. This is a true crime case with a connection to my family. One time, I was sitting and drinking wine with my mom, listening to my favorite murder, and my mom said, Did I tell you about the family annihilator that almost killed my sister? I said, fuck no, but look, listen, and spill the goddamn motherfucking tea, ma. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. My mom would have said, Carrie, don't say that. (laughs) My mom would have said, there's no fucking tea. What you talking about? (laughs) Well, Carrie, that shit. That's what my mama would have said. Oh, my God. Well, my mama would not have known Annihilator. <laughs> Let's just be honest. <laughs> she couldn't get Chupacabra right. I still say it wrong because of her. I know. So my mom grew up in a small town called Wilder near the border of Oregon and Idaho. Yeah, Go you ahead. are. I, I knew you were going to make that joke. <laughs> huh. Not much really went on in said town. In 1983, my aunt was going to go stay the night with her friend Lisa. She had lived about a mile or so down the road. They planned on meeting up after Lisa's date that she had planned. So Lisa would call her and tell her when it's okay to walk over. Earlier that day, the stepdad sent his two boys to a relative's house. When Lisa came home, her stepdad was going crazy about something, and he got so mad that he ended up shooting Lisa and her mother, Sharon. After that, he drove up the hill and shot himself. A few years later, one of the boys went back to the house and burned it down. My aunt was so bummed out that she wasn't able to stay the night at her best friend's house, but a bit later, when our grandma told her what had happened, she got over being ghosted 1983 style. The fact that my aunt was so close to being there when the shit went down and could have gotten killed by a mad stepdad is crazy to me. Wow. Anyways, I hope you like my stories. I have plenty more if you want to hear them, including a case of child abuse and murder that gathered the whole community together. Side note, while I'm writing this, my mom and I both heard a spirit in our house. My dad was working on a countertop in the next room over and said, I need more damn light. To which the ghost replied, good. From right behind me, when it happened, I looked at my mom and asked if she heard it. She said she thought my dad said it, and I said, it wasn't him. I heard it from right behind me. So she walked over and asked him if he said it, and he said no. Apparently, my house wants him to suffer. Well, shit. A few days went by, and I shit you not, the same thing happened while the house was completely silent. My mom and I were in the dining room, and from behind both of us, we heard the exact same voice that wasn't my dad's say, fire. And before you think this was some quiet EVP, it sounded like a man who was right behind our ears and said, fire, in the most normal voice. This spirit seems nice, but the next one is not. My room at my house is part of the attic. There is a door that leads to the other half, 
that has exposed joists and trusses with spray-in insulation. There was a few times where I would come home and the attic door was open. So I told myself that it was probably mom and dad doing something up there and didn't latch it. That was until I had gotten home from work and was changing out of my work clothes and I heard a click. Shocked, I thought it was something falling out of my pants. But no, when I turned around, the door to the attic was wide open. I would also hear voices almost like a TV was on, but I couldn't understand anything that was being said coming from the attic. I would walk downstairs and it was completely silent. Last story. So I was asleep in bed and I woke up because I felt a negative energy in my room. So I looked at my phone and saw it was 3.06. After checking my phone and laying down, my eyes were adjusted to the darkness and I saw a dark figure in the opposite corner of my room, which was above the landing of my stairs. I fucking fear farted and started counting numbers because you never want to show fear to a spirit because they feed off of it like little shits. Fear farting. Oh, God. Oh. That never gets old. No. No. And it's so true. So 30 seconds went by in complete silence. Then I hear the figure step onto the landing and then go up the two stairs to my floor. Next thing I heard was a squeak in my floor that's extremely loud and right in the path from the stairs to my side of the bed. The squeak was loud and fast. Immediately after, I felt something standing next to my bed four to five inches from my face. As I tried to think about something else and not fear shark, (laughs) I felt pressure on my back. I was laying on my stomach. Oh, that's how I sleep. This is the last part I remember from the experience. I had counted to 33. Anyways, thank you for reading my stories. Sorry I'm so long-winded. I got a lot of stories to tell. Creep it real, Cardi B. 33. Mm-hmm. That's our number. Mm-hmm. Like that's our special number, y'all. Oh, my God. First of all, I love your relationship with your mom. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And I love that your mom thought your dad was like, I need more damn light. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yes. I mean, it does sound like something I would do because I'd be like, I need more light. Oh, good. You know? Yes. But still, love your shard. I oh, mean, my God. I, I don't want to do it. Yes. Uh-uh. That would be more me than fear fart. I don't know. I, all these fucking shadow people in these stories tonight. I know. And now I'm going to have to go home and... Go down your Reddit deep dive. I'm going to have to watch Nailed It on fucking Netflix, y'all. And, of course, we want all of your stories, Cardi. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, ladies, attached is my Ouija board story. It's crazy, and I don't go near them anymore, particularly because I'm intuitive and I don't want anything negative to happen. However, this story, as crazy as it seems, is something that happened that I think was necessary. Enjoy, Cresta. When I was 15, a friend of mine came over for the weekend, and she brought her Ouija board. She said that she had used it and talked to this person named Steve. So late at night, she and I were sitting on my bed with the board between us. She said that she knows it's Steve because he uses a large figure eight motion with the planchette. I now know what that's called. So being a teenager and not knowing exactly what to say because I felt like an idiot, we started to ask random questions. 
Now, I had no idea what to expect. So I ask, did you know me when you were alive? Response, yes. Me, how old was I? Response, two. Me, how did you know me? Response, your mom, Wendy's. Okay, so now I'm like, what the fuck is happening here? My friend and I are both scared and fascinated at the same time. I could go on with question and answers for a good bit, however, I won't. I'll try to break it up some. Of course, the curiosity got the best of us, so we decided to ask more questions about how he knew me. He said that he knew my grandmother and my uncle, and that he held me as a toddler at Wendy's. As a side note, after this detailed conversation, I did ask my mom if she ever worked at Wendy's, and she said that she had. I then asked how old I was, and she said that I was two, and that she hadn't worked there for a long time, but my grams used to take me there to see her sometimes when she was working. She didn't ask why I inquired, so I did not divulge the Ouija board and Steve at that time. Back to that weekend and our Ouija board use. I cannot tell you how many hours that we use that board. I can tell you that there are some questions that I ask that have stayed with me even to this day. For example, I asked if I had any guardian angels to protect me. He said yes, that he and my Mimi, which is my maternal great-grandmother, keep me safe from negative beings. I did ask if there were a lot of negative beings that were trying to get to me. He said there were, but they protected me. I asked him if those times that I felt scared were when they were near, and he said yes. Now, another pause. I will share that I had an extremely traumatic childhood, which continued into my early adult life. I have had some really bad shit happen to me and done to me. Now, a few years ago, I finally made the decision that I needed to address what I went through and try to heal. I'm a nurse, and I've been in healthcare a long time. I've always cared for everyone else, but not myself. Without going into detail about what caused this decision to begin therapy to work through my trauma, it has been one of the best decisions that I've ever made. I have discussed my spirituality beliefs and my experiences in life with my therapist. My ideology is that due to what I have experienced in my life, I am more intuitive to people and situations which brings me back to that weekend. For my entire life, back to when I can remember, I get these feelings as if I'm being watched or that there is something bad nearby. I meet people and it's like I can tell if they were good or bad and I shy away from the bad. I've had deja vu all of the time. I look at this as it is just a part of who I am. So I wasn't that shocked when Steve confirmed that there are negative things that try to get to me. However, I felt relieved that there were positive beings protecting me. I also inquired how Steve died. So according to him, he died in a drunk driving car accident in which the car went off the bridge. I had asked my grams, not my mom yet, if she remembered a guy that worked with my mom at Wendy's when I was about two years old. She said that she did and that he died in a car accident going off of a bridge. Holy shit. What the fuck? Now, mind you, I was born in 1974, so this would have happened in 1976 sometime. At that time, my family, mom, her parents, lived in Indiana, which is where I was born, in a relatively small town where everyone knew everyone's business, etc. So, this is confirmation number one. Another one of the questions I ask is this, how am I going to die? 
Of course, what the fuck was I thinking asking a question like this? Who the hell wants to know when they're going to die? But I asked it, and I got an answer. Oh my god. The answer was this. Stabbed to death. I asked how old I would be. He said 40 on my birthday. I asked where. He said large parking garage alone. Time hopped backwards to probably early 2000s. I decided to ask my mom about Steve. I don't really know why. So I'm standing beside her recliner chair in the living room at her house. And I ask if she knew a guy named Steve that she had worked with at Wendy's when I was two. When I tell you that her face went white and pale, I mean as white as white gets once I finished asking her this question. She says to me, how in the hell do you know about Steve? I explained to her about the Ouija board when I was 15 with my friend, and that's who we talked to. Me again. Did you know him? My mom. Yes, I did. Now, the conversation went back and forth for a good while. I want to preempt this by saying that there was absolutely no way I could have known any of these things about a guy named Steve when I was two years old. The situation that I'm about to tell you is not something that has ever been discussed by my mom or my grams at all. You see, my mom blamed herself for Steve's death. She finally shared the story with me after regaining some color back in her face and was able to talk again. One night, there was a big concert that some of the people were going to go together. A few of them were people that my mom worked with at Wendy's. Apparently, according to my mom, Steve had asked her to buy him a six-pack of beer, as he wasn't old enough to buy it on his own yet. She said no way. However, he proceeded to keep asking her, and she finally gave in. She said that she made him promise that he would not drink and drive, and to have someone else drive, and he promised. And she believed him. So, jump forward to after the concert, all of the people who went did not ride together. Steve apparently did drink the beer and drove. And had a drunk driving accident off of the bridge. Oh my god. My mom never told anyone until she told me that day that she had bought him the beer or that she had blamed herself for his death. So now I'm like, holy fucking shit. Disbelief, but not really. About seven or eight years ago, my mom gets a wild hair and decides that she wants to try to talk to Steve on the Ouija board. Oh, God. She had been trying to get me to do it for several years after she shared with me who he was and how they were connected. And I was like, no fucking way. My oldest son, who was 17 at that time, decides that he will get on there with her. I was present during this interaction, but I did not get on the board. They asked to speak to Steve, and the usual large figure eight movement was happening with the planchette. This was before my 40th birthday, so via my mom and son, I wanted to know if I was still supposed to die. He said no. I wanted to know if this was because I had changed my life course in a more positive direction. He said yes. Our lives change due to the choices that we make. That was all I wanted to know. My mom, of course, wanted to know if he blamed her for his death, and he stated that he did not that he should have listened to her, and I'm not sure how long the conversation lasted or what else was said because I felt the need to not be present, so I went home. We lived in the same apartment complex at the time. Okay, now, I honestly don't know how I felt about this or if I believed that that was how I was going to die. I certainly hoped not. I will tell you this. I worked at a very large hospital that had a huge parking deck. I was literally scheduled to work a shift on my 40th birthday. I was like, oh, fuck no. 
not happening. I asked a coworker what a beautiful soul to switch with me, and I was honest with her about it. I totally explained to her about the prediction of my death. She was older and an extremely experienced nurse whom I admired. She didn't mock me or disbelieve me, and she switched. I stayed home that entire day. I did not go anywhere. I did not do anything except hang out with my husband and my kids. I have only used a Ouija board once since then, and yes, I talked to Steve, who said that not only are my Mimi and him watching over me to protect me from negativity, but my grands, gramps, and Aunt Janet are as well. I know that they do. I do believe that the board is some sort of gateway for communication between the world of the living and those that have passed on and other entities as well. I count myself lucky that I talked to Steve. I'm sorry if my story sort of jumps all around, but I couldn't think of how else to write it. I've only shared it with a few people except the wonderful co-worker who switched shifts with me. Nevertheless, I felt inclined to share it with you. Whew. Wow. Holy shit. That's so intense. Well, first, I was thinking figure eight, and you know what rhymes with Mm no-no. That's who I was thinking it was. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm really hoping it was Steve and not he who shall not be named since he was telling you all the answers and stuff. Yeah. I'm going to let this be a positive thing. <laughs> oh, my God. Ouija boards scare me so bad. They do. But I I do want to know, like, Mm-mm. the communication part, like, her mom getting that closure. But was it really, you know? I, I mean, again, yeah. you want to be po- – like, you don't want to be like, yeah. oh, it was all not re- – I don't, I don't know. And honestly, though, it kind of makes sense for him to be a guardian of mm-hmm. Cresta since, like, her mom thinks, like, she is responsible for his death, but she wasn't, you know? And, like, she did buy the alcohol, but she did say, like, don't drink and drive. Don't – you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. – I don't know. Like, I just think it does make sense for him to be tied to her. Yeah. Who, y'all, these stories were good. They were heavy, but they were good. Yes. They were scary, but they were good. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, every noise that happens, I'm like, what was that? Y'all, as always, I say this like literally every episode, but you did not disappoint. No. No. Edge of my seat again. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank y'all so much for sharing. I mean, th- y'all pour your hearts out into these stories, and we truly appreciate it because, I mean, again, it creates this community of people who get to hear that other people have experienced things. And, you know, just like they said in this episode, like it it recovered memories for them and all this stuff. And so it just, I, I don't know. I just love it. So thank y'all so much. Keep sending them in, aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.